Hi, Kirby. Hi, Sarah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Los Angeles. Welcome, Glamgelinos. We hope you stay a while. Cute. That's cute. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Kirby, I'm entering my swelling, bloating state of pregnancy. At eight months? Wow. <laughs> what, a, what a hard, hard life. 34 weeks. I was like, what? I can't. What's going on? I was like, I should take these off before they like, I can't take them off. Y'all, it's very fascinating to see Sarah pregnant because when I'm pregnant, it's everyone's going to know. But <laughs> when I see her, she's sitting. You can't even tell she's pregnant. It's like she talks about, oh, I'm bloated. I'm like, can you just stop? Literally, it's like they stuffed a basketball in there. But it does currently feel like a basketball. We're at the pineapple stage. Yes. Oh, little pineapple baby. Wait, have you told the glams what you're having? Are you going to tell the glams? Well, I'm having a boy. And funny, you should ask, because I was going to say at 34 weeks, I learned that this is when the uh, testes drop from the abdomen to the scrotum. It's so weird to me that I have like a baby penis in me. You got a little baby peen in there. Just growing a little baby peen. It's a very personal and complex combo but then Matt and I had the conversation about like the circumcision and all that like to to circumcise or to not it's just oh it's a lot it's a lot a lot to think about and it's crazy because just like everything else all the like medical recommendations have just changed so much over the years that you're like I can't believe that like it was like not mandated but you know what I mean it was like such a common thing like 10 years ago when now they're like, actually, there's really no no positives to doing it, like in terms of, you know, for medical reasons or whatever. Anyways, not envious of that. <laughs> not envious of that. Way to kick off the app. I mean, I had a mental breakdown when we had to go get Quinny spayed. Oh, my God. I know. It was a part of our adoption agreement. They said that she had to be spayed at a certain you know time. What if I want my child to be able to give me dog children? Totally. Oh, that's that's interesting. Well, that's for like reasons of overpopulation. And there's so many dogs I know. And there's like a thousand dogs that literally look like Quinny. There is a girl on TikTok that has eight wiener dogs and then a regular dog. I think she has nine total dogs and they just follow her around everywhere. And that is my dream in life. Totally. That's what I would want. I would want eight Quinnies. But then you can just like rescue the dogs. Although it is a nice idea to breed. I thought about that too with Ollie because it was really sad when we had to get him not circumcised, but <laughs> neutered. I was like, what's the word? Because it's so sad. They're so young. But I do think that for neutering, there are like benefits to it. Like it's like later on, there's like a lower chance of like cancer, but it's still so sad. It's deeply upsetting. But anyways, okay. Again, we have so much news. So no wife. We're going to save the wife for next week. Saving it for next week. 
Let's do news. A lot of people have been talking about this. It's been going on for a few weeks now, and I personally was just trying to get some more information on it. So let's dive in. This is regarding Saatchi states of skin versus current state of skin. There is a trademark issue, and we have a very special guest that will be speaking on this. But first, let's talk about what's actually going on. On January 14th, Saatchi states of skin or at Saatchi skin on Instagram shared an Instagram stating the following. It has been brought to my attention that there is a new skincare brand launching called Current State of Skin. For those asking, it is not related to Sashi States of Skin. We have no ties with the product or the company. This is not our sister brand. At Sashi States of Skin, we have always championed the philosophy that the skin exists more often in states than types. And it goes on to say that this is a philosophy that their South Asian founder, Farah, has personally championed over 20 years being in the industry as a formulator, esthetician, and skin educator, that they have registered trademarks, new states of skin, and states of skin to support their brand, and that, you know, they value the community and the brand heritage. So this got people wondering, okay, what's going on? Saatchi States of Skin has a very engaged community. They are an independent brand. And I guess a couple of days or maybe a day or two before they put out this particular Instagram, there was a WWD article that came out stating that a brand was launching called Current State of Skin. And I have it right here. It says, Holy Frog founders take on the mass market. Current State of Skin is taking the duo's skincare wardrobe approach to the masses, starting with Target Corp. Sarah, you're familiar with Holy Frog, right? Yes, Holy Frog. You know, uh, I'm a fan of some of the cleansers that they've launched. Emmy Parr, uh, one of the founders, is a former beauty publicist. I don't think she does PR anymore, but yes, very familiar. And I think a lot of our listeners probably are too. She worked with a lot of brands like Drunk Elephant. They are still an independent brand, I believe. I don't think they are owned by anybody. So a lot of people in the beauty community are familiar with her. And I think that's important. So the issue here is that Emmy is launching a second brand that's going into places like Target, Whole Foods, it says Cult Beauty in March, and that the prices will range from $15 to $22. And it's this, the sister brand of Holy Frog is called Current State of Skin. What I think is really interesting is that Saatchi, they have made a couple of claims. And I want to get into this because I think that there's two discussions to be had. And Sarah, I would love to know your thoughts too. There's the legal discussion of what's actually legal and what's going on. And then there's the ethical and moral discussion of what is right and what is wrong. So I have a close friend, but also a professional. I don't want to minimize his credentials because he for sure knows what he is doing. It is my friend, Basil Madinat. How are you? I'm doing great, Kirby. Sarah, how are you guys? So thrilled to have a professional on the pod. Thank you so much. You're going to have to be a regular because I am secretly calling these segments Kirby's Court because she, <laughs> we have so, so many legal, legal drama in the beauty world. And uh, she's so good at explaining it. But we also love to have, you know, legal counsel here. Oh, what? Thank you so much. And what a catchy name, Kirby's Court. Speaking of trademarks. Here we go. We'll have to get on that. Yeah. Speaking of trademarks, Bazzi is, his name is Basil, y'all, but I call him Bazzi. He is <laughs> going to be helping us with our trademarks. So we're very excited about that. Now, Basil, when I, I sent you all the information 
And I think the first question I have, which I would love to hear your point of view, is Saatchi, which goes by Saatchi Skin PTE Limited, they make claims that they own the trademark to New States of Skin and States of Skin. When I looked up New States of Skin, that is an officially, it says registered. And again, I'm not a professional, so I don't know what half of these things mean. States of Skin, though, says that it is a 641 non-final action mailed. What does that mean? Okay, so that would mean that there has been an office action from the trademark office, which they would need to respond to in order to get their mark registered. I actually checked the most recent database, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office's database, and that States of Skin mark was actually registered. So both States of Skin and New States of Skin have been registered. One was registered, I believe, in 2021 and another one in 2022. So they've been registered fully, which means that they're protected in that sense. And so when we're talking about filing versus registration, your trademark's not actually going to be protectable until it's it's registered fully. States of Skin seems like so general, like in this the world of beauty, like the fact that you can actually trademark that kind of like is surprising to me as someone who knows nothing. Yeah, it's a good point because there are certain elements of trademarks that, you know, if you only have very common words like skin lotion, you're not going to get a trademark on skin lotion. States of skin is just suggestive enough that they would allow it because, you know, when you talk about the word states of that suddenly means skin care, you know, or beauty care. It can mean geography. It can mean the state of public policy. It can mean the state of health. It can mean a lot of things. So states of skin is just suggestive enough that I think that that's how they got that allowed. That's so interesting. So then they also say that current state of skin, which is the the brand that's kind of coming in, was rejected by the trademark office. Although the link that I looked at said that it hasn't been assigned. So what did you find? It's actually very interesting. And I did my own little digging, Kirby. Sarah, you guys are going to love some of the stuff I've picked up. So yeah, so Holy Frog, which I I believe their company name is actually Virtual Frog Inc. or something like that. It's Virgin Frog LLC. Virgin Frog. Sorry, there it is. Virgin Frog has filed for these trademarks. Now, they did file for current state of skin back after Saatchi Skin filed for their trademarks, but they filed it on what's called an intent to use application, meaning they have not launched their brand yet. It's not in use. So anything, just generally speaking, when you have a mark in active use and one that's not in use yet, you're always going to have the upper hand for the one that's in use because it means the public is already starting to see it. Consumers are, are associating your brand with that mark. And so they filed it under a 1B intent to use. They did get rejection for current state of skin. What's interesting is that Saatchi Skin actually sent a letter of protest to the trademark office notifying them of their mark, just reminding the the trademark office, the examiner of that. Um, And so they filed a rejection back in November. They have six months to respond. And in that rejection, they talk about Saatchi's skin brands and their two marks. So new states of skin and states of skin. And they talk about what's called a likelihood of confusion. So a likelihood of confusion, meaning consumers are going to confuse the source of the goods or services. Like just like what Saatchi said in that post saying, hey, for all those asking, this is not our sister brand. That's exactly what the trademark office is going to look to. And so they don't want consumers to get confused. What I find interesting is that the trademark office also pulled another mark called current state filed by this woman named Carolyn out in Rhode Island. She filed that mark before Virgin Frog did. And she also is selling, it's like online retail for beauty products. So they're going to have to deal with all of these issues going going forward. And so in their opposition, which I think is due probably in May of 2023, they're going to have to address all these issues. They're going to have to address 
new states of skin, states of skin, current state. And then they're going to have to explain why their mark is distinct enough that consumers wouldn't get confused. And I think that they're going to have some issues. It's going to be challenging for them. We'll see if what their attorneys come up with. But what I will add is that Virgin Frog, since those posts that just came out, like in the past couple of weeks, they've been filing more trademarks. They filed current state of beauty. They filed tune into your skin's current state. They're really some, these are all in the past, like, you know, couple of weeks and they're all on an intent to use. So I think that they're really getting into this brand launching campaign. They've changed their company name that's filing those later ones. It's called Seamark. It's not Virgin Frog, but it's the same attorney of record, which is how I know it's probably the same. And it has the same exact claims for beauty product. So we'll see what's going to happen. I think that they're going to go head to head here. But at the end of the day, I do think, you know, Saatchi State has the upper hand. Yeah. That's so interesting. I have a question. So Kirby had brought this up to me and current states of skin is currently available on target.com. Is that true, Kirby? It's not currently available. But does this target as a retailer put them at any legal risk of carrying a brand that, you know, then has all of these trademark issues? Is that maybe why they're pushing it till February? Well, it's always been till February. That was always. Oh, it's always been till February. Okay. Does that, yeah. Does that put them in any danger, Basil? So for a company like Target, I'm sure they have what's called indemnification clauses where they're going to have the suppliers responsible for their own intellectual property risks, including trademark infringement. I don't think Target is going to get involved. Same thing with e-commerce retailers like Amazon, eBay. They put all the risk and liability on the suppliers themselves. But um, to the extent litigation happens and there's a judgment and you're, you're trying to force takedowns, then the companies will follow the judgment. But that's not where we are right now. So at this point in time, I don't think Target's going to do anything. This is interesting to me because first and foremost, I think this it kind of shows like if you go to the what is it, the Justio website, you're not getting really full information there. Yeah, it's not up to date from my view. I, I don't usually use Justia. The most accurate and up-to-date information is going to be directly from the USPTO's website. And it's pretty easy. You can just go, you know, you can Google USPTO, go to their trademark database. Everything I just told you so far is publicly available. It's just you have to click on the right things. And I don't know if you guys want a, a full tutorial right now, maybe for the next session, but there are ways to just access all of it. And you can find you can find their arguments. You can find the trademark examiner's positions. You can see things that have just been filed, you know, in the past couple of weeks. Like I said, they filed one of these on January 17th and I'm already seeing their application. And you're talking about current state. Correct. So one thing that the founder of Saatchi Skin, Farah, has been posting on her personal account. And one thing she wrote, it's under the highlight IP theft. It says, the brand attorney for current skin reached out to us, or I guess it's Holy Frog rather, reached out to us, Saatchi Skin, in October of 2022, since we are the holders of the trademark States of Skin asking if we can give them permission to use slash allow them to use the mark current state of skin. And at the time, they did not know that it was for a new brand. They thought it was for Holy Frog and they refused it, which I thought was really interesting that current state of skin had reached out to get permission to use that. Is that something people can do if they really if they really want to trademark? They can just be like, yo, give this to me. I guess that's what Haley Bieber did with Road Fashion. Yeah. So, well, what you're talking about is really called a license, right? So they're asking for a license to use it. My inkling, based on, on what you're describing, is that Virgin Frog or, or current state probably assume that they may not get this mark. And so they're like, why don't we just get a license to use it? And then in that way, if we don't get the trademark, we don't get the trademark. So it's sort of like they're they're trying to attack it at all angles because 
it sounds like they're very serious about this this brand launching, right? And especially from now you guys are seeing this in the press. So they're trying to get a license. And yes, that is one strategy you can take. If you don't believe you're going to get the trademark, but you still want to market the product, you get a license from the other people so that it's essentially a covenant not to sue and you're awarded this license to use it. And hopefully it would be on an exclusive basis so that not many brands are all using a similar name, right? It wouldn't be valuable to current state or, or Virgin Frog for them to use something that, you know, Neutrogena and all these other companies can start using. You know what I mean? And so when you say license, then current ho- Virgin Frog, current skin would then pay Saatchi skin a fee of some sort. Exactly. There's a lot of ways to structure it. You can do a one-time accumulated fee. You can do a annual fee based on revenue. You can do quarterly. Um, some people are really nice and it's for nominal fees. They're like, oh, you know, for smaller brands or smaller, you know, mom and pops, they might just let you use it. Um, because at the end of the day, some of these brands, some of these smaller companies don't want to go into litigation. So, you know, they don't want to fight too much over the numbers if they're not willing to sue over it in the first place. You mentioned that now Virgin Frog is trying to trademark current state of beauty. Yes, current state of beauty. Founder Emmy Parr posted about this on Holy Frog's Instagram. That post is now gone for anybody wondering. I went to go find it for this episode that has been removed from their feed. In that post, she mentioned that current state would be launched under the handles current state of beauty. I don't think she really touched on whether or not they were changing the name. But in that post, she essentially flipped everything onto Saatchi and said that Holy Frog has been talking about situational cleansing and skin states for a while now. This brand, Saatchi Skin, effectively stole different things from their website. So they're not the ones that have the problem. They do. When Emmy, and I say Emmy in intermittently between <laughs> Emmy and Emily because on social she goes by Emmy. But when Emily launched Holy Frog, the ethos and the message around that brand was situational cleansing. And when you search online for Holy Frog, all of the press that has surrounded that particular brand goes really heavy on the first step of your skincare routine, talking about cleansers and focusing on situational cleansing. For the Cut Skincare series, Why Is Your Skin So Good? The writer talks about Holy Frog and says that it was created based off of situational cleansing, reacting and choosing a face wash based on her, Emily's, skin's daily needs. There is also this story on Heyday, and again, she was a publicist, so she really knows how to get press for her brand. On Heyday's website, Heyday Skincare, that says, what's the most important thing you want people to know about Holy Frog? And it says, skincare doesn't begin and end once you've figured out your skin type. Skin types aren't static. So many external and internal changes can affect how your skin behaves and what it needs. In fact, your skin reserves the right to switch types when it pleases, and the best strategies begin with understanding the situation. That's why we create products to handle whatever situation may arise, not just skin type. That is where our philosophy, situational skincare, comes in, which means using the right products that depend on your skin's current situation. I just want to bring that to light because, sure, maybe Emily has been using products depending on what her skin is like from day to day. But as far as I can see, I don't see anything really that references states of skin. I see situations or situational cleansing in this case, or what the current situation is for the skin. I guess I'm just wondering, Baz, what what happens 
What ha- I have to imagine they have packaging that says current state of skin. Uh, like that's going to that's going to be available for people to purchase. What happens now that current state of skin has been rejected? Yeah. So what's interesting is a, a few things can happen. They can try again with what you guys just spoke about, which is try to get a license, maybe pay a higher figure. Maybe they will do that if they are ready. But remember, they're still filed. All of their applications are currently on an intent to use. So it makes me wonder how close they are to actual launch. I don't know if, if in your articles they actually gave a date. They probably didn't. Right. It said, I think February, February was like the date it was going to launch. I, and I believe I'm taking that from their Instagram as well. Yeah. Well, because the reason I ask is because no company can infringe unless you're actually in the market, right? So as long as they're on an intent to use application basis and they're not launching their product, Saatchi can't sue them for anything. They can send notices of like, hey, a notice of impending you know, trademark infringement if you, if you move forward type of thing. And so what happens now is their next step is they need to oppose the office action rejection from the trademark office where they have to address the Saatchi states of skin, the new states of skin, the states of skin and current state, that woman in Rhode Island um, with her online retailer. After that is submitted in May, the office will probably need a few months. So they're not going to get any answer on the trademark front until I'm thinking like the fall of 2023. But that in itself doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to go and launch their product. They might launch their product for revenue purposes, for business purposes, but then they put themselves at risk for getting sued, which I would be very surprised if Saatchi did not sue them once they landed in the market. Now, I will say current state and um, current state of skin to me is riskier than current state of beauty because then you're throwing in more words. You get more gray area with their new trademarks. And this slogan of tune into your skin state, tune into your, your skin's current state, that might be different enough that it gets approved. Yeah, it might. But that's what they're doing. They're, they're trying to like slam with the office at all angles. And so to see what kicks, but these aren't even going to get reviewed for like, they're not going to have decisions on these until until 2024, probably. So Kirby, the Women's Wear Daily article says it will debut with its own website, Target Corporation and Whole Foods next month and enter the UK in partnership with Cult Beauty in March. Interesting. Interesting. Can you kind of verify something for us, Baz? It says current state. I'm looking at current state of beauty because that's what they ended up changing it to after this kerfuffle happened because people are rightfully calling them out and asking them, why are they doing this? Like this feels like an invasion of of something that somebody's worked on for years. And it says current state TM. Tune into your skin's current state TM. What is the difference between a TM and an R? So once you file a trademark application and once you're putting the public on notice that we're seeking a trademark, you can put the TM. Anyone can put the TM if you filed. The R with the circle is only when it's actually registered, which means you have survived all all in any office actions, any rejections, any letters of protest. Generally, what happens is even when the trademark office allows an application, they'll give what's called like a a notice of allowance type of thing. They're going to publish it and give the public 30 days to oppose it. So there are a lot of layers of making sure that you are entitled to this trademark. And so that is why you can only put the R with the circle once you've survived all that. It's showing this is a a registered trademark, you know, a federally registered trademark. So if they're putting current state with a TM, that's they're not lying to the public by showing that they have a trademark. TM just means that you're seeking a trademark. Okay. Last question. Well, I don't know. Can you answer this? If Saatchi was your client, what would you be doing in this situation? 
So I would have done exactly what they already did, which is I would have submitted a letter of protest to the trademark office, which they did. Good for them. I like that they are publicly commenting on potential consumer confusion because those are the types of the pieces of evidence that the trademark office would be looking at if it actually got to an appeal stage where you file like an appeal with the trademark trial and appeal board, they want to look at evidence. They want to see surveys. Are people actually getting confused? Are there people blogging saying, wait, which one is which? Like those are really good things. And so I think staying on top of it from like a PR standpoint will probably be helpful for them. I also think that there would probably be a lot of attorneys that would want to take Saatchi's case if current state entered the market through Target or Whole Foods, because it sounds like this isn't this isn't small potatoes. I know it's they're smaller brands, but this isn't like small potatoes money. If they're entering Target and Whole Foods, they have supply contracts that are going to bring in some some revenue. And so I think that attorneys might want to take it on a contingency basis or things like that. So I think that they they have a good handle on what's going on right now. And it sounds like they're monitoring their trademarks because there are there are systems that you can put in where anytime somebody files a trademark that's similar to yours, you get a ding. And so that's how these big companies like Pepsi and Google know about trademark infringement right away or um, potential conflicts at the trademark office because they're they're monitoring these. And so it sounds like they're taking all these steps to protect their brand. I also think it might be good on Saatchi to invest in expanded brand marketing. Maybe think of other unique names that current state isn't doing because you can always have multiple slogans or multiple beauty line product names and maybe just get ahead of it. All right. So we talked about the legalities. And it seems like legally, Saatchi is doing everything right and they have protections. And it seems like current state, I, I mean, in my humble opinion, if you Google states of skin or skin states, the first thing that came up is Saatchi. So if I'm a brand founder looking to go into this skin state thing, like I'm probably Googling it first to see what's out there. And then if I notice that there's another skincare line, that's talking about skin states. I don't know. For me, I don't know what I would do in anybody's position, but for right now, I would probably not move forward. Pick a new name. <laughs> yes. I would be like, okay, I was not the first. It's time <laughs> to figure something else out. Right. So, Basil, in your opinion, like not even as an attorney, morally, ethically, like who do you think is in the right here? What should we be doing? Yeah. I think honestly, you know, I know earlier you had mentioned that Holy Frog had talked about situational cleansing and things like that. I don't know if they came up with that concept. Maybe they were one of the larger voices on it. But at the end of the day, with respect to trademarks and branding, it's whoever comes up with that brand name and slogan or, you know, mark first. And Saatchi did. I know that they're a brand that a lot of people respect. You said that they're a, a woman of color owned brand, and they're really trying to make their mark here, pun intended. For me, the way I see it is there is the, the legal side of it. And Unfortunately, I don't think the trademark office is going to think about morals and ethics, but they do talk about ownership and consumer confusion. But at the end of the day, we live in a world of social media. The court of public opinion to me is really going to matter here, especially with people like yourselves who are recognizing this is a woman of color owned brand. They're really doing their thing. A lot of people have been in the past two years respecting brands that are expanding beauty products to color different shades of skin, different textures of skin, states of skin. This is to me is a natural progression of things. I don't think Vir Virgin Frog or Current State was the first one to come up with situational cleansing. And by the way, because it's a trademark, it really doesn't matter 
that they started talking about situational cleansing. So I think what they're trying to do is just sort of maybe cover their bases to people who may not understand trademarks and say, oh, we came up with this first, but that's not how trademarks work. And so the way I see it and how you guys are seeing it is let Saatchi have their moment. They already have their trademarks. They did everything right. Current state came after. And unfortunately, it's you snooze, you lose in some of these things. And I do think, as I said, the court of public opinion to me, I, I respect what Saatchi's doing. I think current state, I understand from a business standpoint why they would try to cover all angles like and see maybe we can get something else in there. But why don't you come up with something new, something fresh, just like Saatchi did. And hey, let's look how successful Skims is after pivoting from Kimono. Right. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. Skims, that was the better name. Skims was the better name, Skimberly. Tell you that much. Skims is a fantastic name. I can't believe that they even called it Kimono in the first place. I can't believe that she didn't name her skincare line Skimcare. It does not make sense to me. <laughs> Kimberly, please. God, I just, ugh. This is a true friend. Basil reached out to me. I haven't seen you in God knows how long. But Basil reached out to me and said, hey, I want you and Sarah to be protected. I think Los Angeles should be trademarked. Let's figure this out. And so we're doing it. Kirby and I have had this conversation for the last three years and it overwhelms us. I'm like, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. We're like, we have no idea what's going on. So see, everyone hates attorneys, but this is what we're here for. We're here to protect you guys. I do not hate an attorney. I love an attorney. Kirby loves an attorney. And I all same. maybe not as much as she does, but... You guys are so funny. Well, thank you again for having me. Thank you, Basil. Thank you, Basil. Hi, y'all. It's just Kirby. I had to insert this part into the episode because shortly after we spoke with Basil about all of this and gave our thoughts, Emily Parr reached out to Sarah and I via email saying that she was ready to give a statement about the trademark matter and that she uh, made a public filing last night, which she attached um, and that she wanted to start dispelling the information by the other party. We took a look at this petition for cancellation. Seamark Brands, the company filing on behalf of Emily, sent a petition for cancellation to Saatchi Skin PTE Limited. On November 4th, 2022, the United States Patent and Trademark Office issued an office action against Seamark's trademark application for current state of skin, claiming a likelihood of confusion with Saatchi's claimed mark. And they're arguing that states of skin is merely descriptive and that it fails to function as a trademark for the reasons set forth. And they go through all of these different line items explaining what the difference is, uh, why they do not feel that this particular mark should be registered to Saatchi. Again, I am not a professional uh, in terms of trademark law, so I forwarded this to Basil. And I'm just going to read his response verbatim because he gave me permission to. He says, I read through this petition for cancellation. Interesting turn of events. Seamark is really campaigning hard to get past the Saatchi hurdle here. It's funny though, you and Sarah were asking me about the strength of the mark, quote, states of skin. Is it unique enough? And that's exactly what this petition is focusing on. I told you during the podcast that Saatchi likely got the trademark awarded because states of skin and new states of skin are just suggestive enough to qualify for a trademark. Suggestive trademarks are considered inherently unique, but Seamark is making the alternative argument that the mark is merely descriptive, not inherently unique, which is not enough to qualify for a trademark without secondary meaning. 
Secondary meaning is basically where the mark has been tied to the source of the goods, services in the minds of consumers, so it's basically popular enough. C-Mark is arguing that states of skin is not popular enough to acquire secondary meaning, and because it's just a descriptive mark, it should not have been worthy of a trademark. That is an interesting argument, especially given the different articles they've shown using the terms, quote, state of skin or skin states. And what he's referring to are there a bunch of stories from different sites, in style is one of them, that discuss a state of skin or skin states. But I will also point out that Saatchi filed for their first trademark in 2019, almost four years ago, and I don't agree that their definition of, quote, state always means condition. I don't believe that petition is particularly well-drafted, but Greenberg Torig, the firm representing Seamark is a big firm with a lot of resources, so we'll see what other tricks they have up their sleeves. Another interesting point is that this petition is almost like Seamark is shitting on their own trademark application. Because if they argue that states of skin is descriptive, current state of skin, which is still pending and faces a rejection, is not any less descriptive to me. So they are taking a gamble here with these arguments, basically saying that if they can't get it, nobody else can. Very much an aggressive business move, and we'll see what happens. That explains what this petition is doing. If I am sharing my personal opinion on the matter, I don't really think this proves anything. I, I think the only thing it really showcases is that Saatchi has a registered trademark and has since 2019 that this new brand really wants to have. And if they can't have access to it, they want to argue that this is not even worthy of being trademarked. And the bottom line is that current state wants to use it. Now, at one point, I did ask both Farah and Emily if they'd be willing to speak with me for an interview so that I could discuss this with Sarah on the podcast. Things were moving forward with Farah. Ultimately, her legal team told her that she should not speak with me. I understand that. Same thing with Emily. It was very clear from the jump that she had no comment and was not able to speak on this situation. And I want to bring this up because I've had a lot of impassioned DMs from fans of both brands, from influencers, from both of these founders, actually. One of the questions I keep getting is why I'm not covering this uh, in a major way or in a larger way. And I am a freelance writer. My livelihood is dependent on the assignments that I get from companies that I work with, publishers that I work with. I have not been assigned to cover this story. I just want to be clear that if I'm not covering something in a certain way that's not to your specific liking, it's not because I don't want to. It's because I'm only one person and I do have limited resources myself. And with that, I would like to say we would love to hear from you, our listeners. What do you think about the situation based on what you've heard today? Give us a call at 424-341-0426. You can also find that number on our website and in the show notes, as well as our link in bio on Instagram. You don't even have to call and leave a voicemail. You can text us your thoughts as well or send us a DM or an email at glossangelespodcast at gmail.com. All right, we're going from trademark infringement to Falsigate. Falsigate. Have you heard of what's going on on TikTok? So a listener of ours sent me a video and asked if we were going to talk about this. And I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't heard about this yet. And then sure enough, you brought it up and then I watched the video and now it's like all I can think about. It's crazy. We actually have a voicemail. Hi, Sarah and Kirby. Long-time listener. Love you guys. I'm assuming you guys are going to talk about 
the whole mascara Ardell lashes issue with Michaela's act. And um, I just wanted to see if you guys could talk about the fact that these TikTok ads that makeup influencers are using, they're making, sorry, are not putting hashtag ad or sponsored a lot of the time. They're either just tagging the brand or putting like hashtag the name of the brand partner. And it's a way of getting around it, but I just think it's fooling a lot of people who don't understand how this stuff works and they think it's not an ad a lot of the time when it is. And it also reminds me of Emily Mariko recently went to Paris and was only wearing Ralph Lauren clothing and was posting TikToks the whole time in her Ralph Lauren clothing, but never said if the trip was sponsored or not. And all the comments were saying this is obviously a Ralph Lauren sponsored trip and she's not disclosing it. And this just seems to be a huge trend, mainly on TikTok. And I'm wondering if you guys noticed the same thing. Okay, bye. What a wise listener we have. I want to just comment on the Emily Mariko part because it drives me bananas that she, and I will say I watch most of her content on Instagram, but that she does not mention any partners whatsoever when it is clearly a sponsored post. Right, right. Okay, so some of you might be going, WTF, mate, what are you even talking about? This past week, Michaela, huge on TikTok, she posted a paid advertisement about L'Oreal telescopic mascara claiming that it looks like falsies. A lot of people were doing this as well. So they had a big campaign and they had a bunch of majorly huge influencers. It was like Bretman Rock, Meredith Duxbury. All of the people that generally have tons of followers on that platform, they were going hard with this telescopic mascara. It has a unique brush. I'm personally going to go pick it up just because I want to know how it works. But this is a thing. So she did this video, she puts on the mascara, and it looks good. It looks good when she puts it on. And then at the end, she keeps saying that nothing is going to compete with this particular mascara because it looks like falsies, but she is very clearly wearing falsies. I mean, listen, I know that people, some people may not be able to tell the difference, but I have talked to, I'm not even kidding you, 10, 10 OGs about this in DMs, in texts, via voice notes. They're all like, girl get a grip. Those are false lashes. Nobody's eyelashes come out of their eyeballs like that. And furthermore, you can tell the difference between the mascara and the fake lash. I mean, I think people have pinpointed it to be an Ardell Demi Wispy. Okay. So because of this, everybody was calling her out. She claims it was just three to four coats of this mascara and OGs that have not been inserting themselves in any type of drama for years, okay? Like a lot of these people have gone on to do more lifestyle content. They wanted out of the beauty industry because of how dramatic it was. They are coming out of the woodwork to (laughs) discuss this because a lot of the comments are, we can never trust influencers. And a lot of them are going, okay, listen, I may have been involved in some personal drama, but I never lied to you about a product. Or this is just blatant false advertising. And there's so much discussion around it. So unfortunately for us, Jeffree Star has also decided to come out of retirement and review products. I have never been 
more disappointed to see comments like, well, he is problematic, but he sure does know how to review a product or he's the only one rich enough to not be influenced by brands or yeah, I know he's racist, but he does know how to shade people or something. And I'm like, this is not where we need to be going. So here's the deal. As a listener pointed out, Michaela, I mean, if she really did put a falsy on and did not disclose that, she could be in some legal trouble. There's also the conversation which our listener brought up of the fact that these people are not hashtag sponsored. They're not doing any sort of hashtag ad. They're just saying like hashtag L'Oreal partner, which Kirby, you do a lot of sponsored content. I've done a few like legally. What are they required to actually be posting? There is an influencer guide when it comes to this stuff. I'm going to be honest. TikTok, when you use the handshake feature or whatever it's called on that platform with sponsored content, they do bury it. It's very similar to Instagram like your engagement just plummets. And it doesn't just affect the video that you're posting that's sponsored. It affects all the other videos that you end up posting. Because ultimately, these platforms, they want to be making the money, not you. They want you to be going through them to make the money, not you basically making your own money. Okay, so I get why people don't use that like official tool. But there's also ways that you can use simple and clear language. This is page five of the influencer guide according to the FTC. It says simple explanations like thanks to Acme brand for the free product are often good enough if placed in a way that is hard to miss. So are terms like advertisement, ad, and sponsored. On a space limited platform like Twitter, the terms Acme partner or Acme ambassador are also options. Now, it doesn't mention TikTok, but I feel like some people could argue that her disclosure of L'Oreal partner is enough. Because in the caption of TikTok, you only have limited space. Right. So L'Oreal Partner does, I think, suffice. What I have been seeing is people putting actual text on their video, but kind of faded that says blank partner or ad so that it's clear on the video, but it's like in the corner. So you can still read it. It's still legible, but it's not in text anywhere in a caption or anything like that. Right. It's just graphics on the video. And I think, too, like TikTok still is like fairly new when it comes to all of this like regulation in comparison to like an Instagram or Twitter. And so I feel like there's like more leeway for certain influencers in terms of like getting around things. But I mean, I've worked with brands before, too, where I've only had to tag partner and it's been paid before, you know, so. And so. It says that, you know, the FTC works to stop deceptive ads. As an influencer, it's your responsibility to make disclosures and be familiar with endorsement guidelines and comply with laws against deceptive ads. I would argue that this ad is deceptive if she truly is wearing falsies or enhancing her lashes digitally in some way, which we know she can do because she did a video last year where she talks about this amazing mascara and then she's kind of like, gotcha this isn't even real mascara. And this is what brands do to you because they lie. So it's like, ma'am. That's so weird. Ma'am, like this is a little too on the nose for me. Totally. And the unfortunate part is Michaela has been a part of controversies like this before where people have made claims that she is being deceptive in her reviews. She's 24. And I think that you're old enough to know right from wrong. 
I think one of the outstanding questions, though, is did L'Oreal know? Right. Because I don't know if a lot of our listeners know this, but most of the time you have to submit your content, a sponsor content to the brand for approval before you post it yourself. So there is a 99% chance that L'Oreal did see this video and approve it. I would be surprised if they didn't. I mean, maybe they didn't because they work really closely with Michaela and trust her. But I think this had to have gone through them. Right? Right. 100%. There's no way that you're posting anything without getting some type of review period with the client. In this case, it's L'Oreal. But I think it's worth asking, did L'Oreal say anything? Did they say, are you wearing a false seat? Did they say, can you put on a false seat? Because if they did ask her to do that, you know, sometimes when you see ads at stores on gondolas or even in commercials, if you're wearing a falsy to enhance a lash, that has to be disclosed. And Erin Parsons is an incredible makeup artist. She works with Gigi Hadid a lot. She does amazing content on TikTok. She's like very vintage focused. She did a video about this mascara and she talked about, listen, I do a lot of these campaigns with Maybelline. We are not allowed to use falsies. So all of these photos that you see of people like Gigi and Storm Reed, those are their natural lashes. I'm going to show you how I make my lashes look fake. And she has a whole process and they do look incredible. But I think it kind of shows like a lot of people are going, well, you know, we see false advertising all the time in media. And it's like, yeah, but like there were stipulations put in place to keep those things from happening. So if they do put a falsy on a model in a commercial they have to disclose that at the bottom of the screen. So I don't know. Michaela is a human being. I do think that the pylon is excessive, but I also think the reason why people go to TikTok is for authenticity. And like that lash is not real. That lash is not real. It's just not. And her lashes look great without it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, if you actually watch also the other influencers, content creators who reviewed the product, it's a really good mascara. Like, it could have spoken for itself without the falsy. And like Kirby said, she's excited to go try it. I obviously have my extensions, so I'm not. But like, it's a great product. Like, they did not need to go this far. I just wonder what the repercussions will be, like, if she'll just sort of like take a quick break and hope everyone forgets or whatnot. But it really does hurt her reputation, don't you think? Yes. And I think that it's kind of, you know, a lot of the OGs, when they are talking about the situation, they're like, no disrespect or no shade to Michaela. But when an influencer does this, it ruins everybody's reputation. And I'm of the opinion, why aren't you calling her out? She's the one doing it. Why is everybody protecting her? Liz Denton, another beauty editor, commented on my video about this, and she said, I think people are trying to be protective of Michaela because of the hard time she went through and had to get off of social media. And they might not agree with what she did, but they're trying to protect her. I totally get it. I think Michaela has had a really tough year struggling with a lot of different things, but that doesn't absolve you from making bad decisions. So I think that moving forward. I don't know how this is going to affect her. It's so split. Half of the people don't even care. They're like, touch grass, move on. It's a falsy. Nobody cares. Other people are truly outraged by it. And I feel like I sit somewhere in the middle where I'm like, this isn't the most important thing in the world. But I do think that you can't keep getting away doing stuff like this and expect people not to notice. This reminds me of the Shay Mitchell B.R.A. ad. (laughs) Or... The Millie Bobby Brown. 
It, it was this exact same thing. <laughs> Where what did Shay do? Where she pretended to like wipe her makeup off, but it was like still on. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yes. That's what Millie Bobby Brown did. She pretended to wash her face. Oh, right, right, right. You were like, babe, babe. Yeah, it's so funny at the end of the day. But I do think, you know, like I feel for her. I could not imagine, you know, what it is to be like in her shoes and to be on the receiving end of all of this criticism. However, like the one thing that you can do is continue to make great content reviewing beauty products and you just have to be honest with your followers. Yeah. She's not the worst person in the world. She's a human being. But you also have to take accountability. Like, let's just be real. That's where I sit. I'm curious. I want to hear from L'Oreal, to be completely honest. Same. I mean, I wonder if they even care. Maybe they're like, we'll pay the FTC fine for her should she get one, which at this point, I truly think this is such a thing that the FTC will get involved but I need to know. I mean, this mascara is getting so much press now because of this. And so are Ardell Demi Wispies. So congrats to the real winners of the situation. Right, right. Okay, CBD. Have you been using CBD at all? Anybody? Anybody? Crickets? I can't technically, but I'm not against it. I am not against CBD either. And it seems like a lot of people, unfortunately, are they are over it. So isn't it funny, Kirby, that like literally four years ago, we were like hosting panels, just nonstop chatter about CBD and beauty. Yeah, it's insane. So the headline here is CBD Forward brand by Kristen Bell. Happy Dance is dead. What you need to know is that the brand announced it is shuttering. Uh, it shuttered last Friday, January 27th. Happy Dance of course, was fronted by Kristen Bell. I liked a lot of their products. Me too. And I loved the like branding and the messaging behind it. It was also fun. Yep. Happy Dance was the sister company to Lord Jones, which is also shuttering, according to Glossy, another really upsetting. I was going to say that was one of the main reasons why I think we all were like, oh, Happy Dance is legitimate is because they partnered with Lord Jones, which was like one of the OGs in the CBD space. And they were so good about education and teaching people about the different cannabinoids. I can never say it. Can cannabinoids. Cannabinoids. The different cannabinoids. There we go. Cannabinoids. I'm going to name my child that. Cannabinoid. Um, <laughs> okay. So the different cannabinoids. And they were really passionate about sharing not only what this did for wellness, but also your skin. And that's how I learned so much about CBD as a molecule for the skin and how it helps inflammation. It is so, so good. It seems like it was hard for me to decipher this from the Glossy article, but it sounds like they're getting into actual weed. So they're totally getting out. Yes, like the parent company to Lord Jones and Happy Dance. Like creating products with THC in it. Yes, forgoing the beauty of it all and getting, they said adult products, which makes me think, you know, cannabis and things of that nature. So- I'm curious, what do we think this says about CBD as a whole? Because in that story, it talks about brands like Wildcat and The Feelist and that they started phasing out the use of CBD from their products in 2021 and that big box retailers like Target will not supply products with the ingredient due to regulations. Amy from Wildcat commented that she was able to get into Target because of the removal 
of this particular ingredient. Interesting. Yeah. So, Sarah, do you think that CBD is uh, it's just dead? Like what hurdles did CBD have to get over? I mean, I think a lot of our listeners probably know and Kirby and I have talked about this so much, but like there was a lot of misinformation, miseducation around the whole CBD beauty boom. I think a lot of people were also just trying to make a quick buck and cash in. I mean, like I can't even remember like how many millions, maybe like even billions of dollars CBD beauty was projected to make back again, like four or five years ago when it seemed like every single brand that was being launched was based on CBD. But then, you know, you would talk to the founder or you would try to get clinicals or something like that. And no one could really like explain themselves. I will say there were there were definitely, you know, a handful of brands that really led the charge, like St. Jane Beauty being one of them. Um, and I do think that, like you said, like we as beauty editors were able to really learn about the benefits of CBD for skin, the inflammation of it all. You know, St. Jane has that product that came out that has retinol in it, and it actually plays really well with CBD to help with the redness and any of the like irritation that you get usually from retinol. So it's really just it's it's a great product or a great ingredient, I should say. But I do think like the buzz has faded. And I think it was just so highly unregulated that people are like, yeah, like, no. Like Target's like, no, 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 we need to, you know, we we're going to we're going to not do this. And then you have here only five brands at Sephora currently carry products that contain CBD. Yeah. So it's it's five brands. I think there's like 14 products that contain CBD. I know there had to be more. I know there had to be more. Oh, absolutely. So I think like, you know, I don't even need to say it. We are seeing this trend, which, again, I still like the ingredient. Um, but I am glad that we're now sort of catching on to all of the unregulated claims that were being made. There were just so many. You could pick up CBD hand lotion at like 7-Eleven and you're like, what is actually in there? It was just a gimmick, you know. And according to Spate, it says that CBD searches have been down 61% year over year. So people clearly, I think this story by Liz Flora for Glossy was kind of funny. It said Kristen Bell's CBD skincare brand Happy Dance shudders as it turns out people just want to get high. The first line glows, it won't get you high, was the tagline of Kristen Bell's CBD skincare brand Happy Dance, which launched less than two and a half years ago. The brand is now shutting down as its parent company shifts its focus to products that promise the exact opposite. And I know that a new a new parent company came in and bought Lord Jones and Happy Dance. And that's when a lot of these changes started getting made. So I do feel like the authenticity and ethos of the original brand kind of died when that happened. And now I said earlier, I, I couldn't figure out if they were going into weed sales, but that's exactly what they're doing. That's That's what's happening. Yeah. And to Liz's point, I think, too, aside from beauty, a lot of the conversation around CBD a few years ago was that, you know, it could help with pain, discomfort, you know, all of the like medicinal medical benefits of it all. But I think it's also been proven now that a lot of times CBD on its own is not strong enough to help with any of those ailments. And so you do need to have the THC in conjunction with the CBD. So yeah, so people do just want to get a little bit high. I mean, of course, you're stoned a little bit and you, you have to be an adult to use it, et cetera, et cetera. 
but you want those benefits, like those healing benefits that it really has. And so you you need the whole experience. You need all the cannabinoids. You do need all the cannabinoids. Sarah, let's actually highlight a product or two that we love that includes CBD. That's actually great. Do you have one? I mean, I really do love St. Jane's, St. Jane Beauty products, like the retinol cream that I mentioned, the oil. I'm using the eye cream. Oh, yep. The eye cream. The eye cream's beautiful. They just launched the Superflower Detox Serum and it's gorgeous. It's green. I mean, the packaging of St. Jane is untouched. They they do beautiful, beautiful products, but it says it's a multivitamin serum to purify pores and renew radiance. It says it's like a green juice for your skin and it's packed with millions of comprehensive micronutrients, florals, antioxidants, and of course, you know, they're... CBD. So very interesting. I also have to say one of our faves, tried and true, Do Skin, their serum. Now they have a cannabinoid complex in their serum to help with inflammation and calming the skin. And I, I truly think that's why so many people love that serum. But I think they're the first, if not the only brand that has done true clinicals to make sure they have an exact amount to show any difference. Totally. So they can back it up. And I mean, if more brands were like that, that would be awesome. But I think another thing about Do is that they did not shove CBD down people's throats. Exactly. And that's the thing where it's like you don't need to do that. I think that's going to be the trend that we see is that people will still be including it in their beauty products, but it's just it's not going to be a highlight anymore. It's just another product that helps with anti-inflammation and hydration, etc., that's our show. Thank you for listening. Follow us on all platforms for announcements and opportunities at Los Angeles Pod and join our Facebook group to share your own reviews. Los Angeles was created by Kirby Johnson and Sarah Tan. It is a part of the ACAST network. Our episodes are mixed and edited by Roxy Flo and Stacey Abarca. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com